This is a Cincy fan talking with LP. You can catch me on Twitter. That's a Cincy fan talking. You say it like it sounds, just leave off the G. If you have ideas for the show, you can reach me at Cincy underscore fan talk at yahoo.com. If you have any suggestions for the show, make sure you leave them there. Who knows? You might find yourself as part of the show. Any feedback would be definitely appreciated. And also, make sure you hit the link tree page that's on my Twitter. Make sure you click on that. You can find all the different ways to contact me there. Enjoy the show. What's up, what's up, what's up everybody out there in podcast land? Welcome to another episode of A Cincy Fan Talking with LP. And of course, this is yours truly, LP. Up here loving this mid-March life. Definitely not loving this mid-March weather. How does it just go from 20 degrees to 60 degrees and back to 20? I'm not getting it. But it's March Madness time. Definitely my most favorite time of the year uh we're gonna get into why it is stuff i remember about march madness we're gonna talk a little bit lamar jackson and i watched a bad movie so i'm gonna kind of temper that with something good that you should watch (laughs) so we're gonna kind of go that route with it but man this march madness um Catching some good basketball games, wall to wall basketball, 16 games on Thursday, 16 games on Friday, eight on Saturday, eight on Man, you can't beat it. And the best part about it is it's not like you're just watching, you know, this team wins, this team loses, blah, blah, blah. Who really cares? It's win or go home. The stakes don't get any higher. It doesn't get much better than watching pressure-packed hoop come March. And I've been on this since a youngster, man. Like, I remember being 19 years old and being like, dang, this is riveting stuff. This is good stuff. But I honestly got hooked on March Madness. Like, it really kind of shaped my TV viewing in March in 1990. I remember it specifically. I remember, um, I'm going to date myself. Y'all already know, ALP, lightweight longer than a tooth out here. No, I ain't going to say that. I mean, I'm younger than some, older than others. That's just how it is. I'm 11 years old in the house. And I was supposed to go to school. Um, I didn't. I think I was sick or something like that. And I remember watching TV. I'm just kind of chilling. And this back in the day where, you know, you rolling with ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox. It was a thing, but it wasn't really a thing. It wasn't really that big. You feel me? They were just kind of trying to get their foot in there. They're catering to the um, African-American market a little bit. But I mean, you really got four stations real life. And I guess PBS, you know, if you go that route. 
but it's in the morning, you know, I'm eating my cereal, watching TV, and I hear that Hank Gathers passed away. And I'm like, that's crazy. He just collapsed on the court and he passed away. And my brother kind of came in the room and we looking like, man, this is wild. This is absolutely crazy. And everything after that was just legendary because Loyola Marymount, the team that he played for, they played in his honor. The conference that they played in, they were like, you know what? Forget the conference tournament. You get to be it. You were the best team in the conference anyway. So they're like, you know, you automatically get to be it. If you want to go play, you can. And they decided to play. And what happened for that month was just extraordinary, man. It, it had... To this day, it still has me watching March Madness because of what happened. His best friend, like one of the best players on the team, Bo Kimball, decides to shoot his first free throw every single game left-handed because Hank Gathers was left-handed. And he makes it every single time. Like, you can't write this stuff, man. Like, you, you really can't. And then Loyola Marymount just goes out and they just blow away people. And this is a team... They're, they had a really good team, but people didn't expect them to be as good as they were, especially since they lost their best player so tragically and unfortunately, right? And their style of play, y'all, it was the wildest thing I've ever seen. They literally would just run up and down the court, and they would try to shoot shots as fast as they could. That's how they played. They would let you get a layup so they could run down the court as fast as they could to score. It was the most frenetically paced basketball I've ever seen in my life. They're just throwing up threes, and they're cashing them from everywhere. They played Michigan in the second round, right? And Michigan, um, I think they had, they had literally won the title the year before. They had won it all. Mich Loyola Marymount goes in. And they blow them out. They put up like 130 points or something like that. It was just crazy. And they ended up making it all the way to the Elite Eight, the, the round before the Final Four. And they lose to the champion, UNLV. And UNLV is like one of the few teams that play like them. You know, they want to run up the court just like Loyola Marymount did. And they lost that game. And the crowd was just hype you could see tears in the stands people are clapping for him and everything and i'm watching this as a kid and i'm like yo i want to see this every single year like this is what i want to watch and ever since then i have literally i have only missed the selection sunday thing i've only missed that two times in my life since since being 11 years old not counting COVID-19, you know, when everything just went to crap. I missed it two times since I was 11 years old. Twice. <laughs> Both of those times were in college, like freshman and sophomore year, where I don't even remember watching television. Like, I know TV happened my freshman and sophomore year of college. But to be honest, y'all, that stuff was a blur. So much stuff was happening, you know. You're barely in your room where you're in your room. You're playing video games. You're listening to music, chilling with the homies or whatever. I don't remember a lot of TV from 97 to 2000, for real. Not for real, for real. But that was my first real, real live, like, 
I'm never missing this television event moment. And then the second one happened in 1992. And two things really happened then. One, um, UC, Cincinnati Bearcats, made it to the final four. I won't lie. The bracket broke jazz right for them. The number one seed lost. So they got to play the number eight seed in the um, second round. They pasted them. And they got to play Memphis State. They're Memphis now. They got to play them. A fourth time. They literally beat the same team four times in a season. And it's a team Penny Hardaway was on, too. They beat them twice in the regular season. They beat them once in the conference tournament. And then they beat them once in the Elite Eight. And UC made the Final Four before taking that L to Michigan when they had the Fat Five. But what I remember from the conf- from the tournament in 1992 was the shot. Now... I can't say that I'm a Christian Leitner fan, but I've never really been a Christian Leitner hater. Like, I never really cared for him, but I didn't hate him. This man against Kentucky, the game went to overtime, and he literally made every single shot. I remember me and my brother and my cousin, we're sitting in our room. And at first, we're not really paying attention to the game because, you know, we're hyped up about UC. But the more we start watching it, the more we like, hey, this dude ain't missing. So a couple of our friends just kind of invite themselves into our home, which is kind of weird because my mom usually just like punch him in the face, like get out. <laughs> but we're it's like six of us in the room and we look at like, dude, this is one of the craziest games we've ever seen. They're like shot after shot. Kentucky's making their shot. Duke's making their shots. And they're in overtime. Sean Woods from um from Kentucky. He comes through the lane, hits the layup, and we're like, dang, Duke about to lose in overtime. It was a good game. It's like two seconds left. Grant Hill throws the ball all the way down the court. Leitner catches it with two seconds left. And has it in his brain that he has enough time to do a little fake turnaround spin jumper. Anybody else in the world would have just rushed that shot up as fast as they could. Only got two seconds left. Panic. My man Christian Leitner said, I got two seconds. I got two seconds to do my thing. He get the ball. Shoot, shoot. Jumper. Boom. We looking like, wow. Christian Leitner went 10 for 10 shooting regular shots. He went 10 for 10 from the free throw line. He literally did not miss a shot that night. We like, man, this is wild. That that was just crazy. So that kind of went into the Rolodex like, man, March Madness is like some of the wildest things I've ever seen in my life. And then my third one, this kind of cemented everything for me where I'm like, I'm never missing this ever in life. It's 1993, and, you know, older, about 14. We end up in Detroit for spring break. Uh, My cousin's dad (laughs) decides, like, you know, I'm going to take you guys to Detroit to stay with me for the week. So the entire week, we're in Detroit, Michigan, and... I, I give Michigan folks a lot of crap. Like, I do. That, that's kind of my thing. But we had a lot of fun. We we went skating a lot, <laughs> which was weird. And we went shopping in Toledo a lot. And I was like, 
dude, we in Detroit. Why are we going to Toledo to shop? Like, this is this is weird. Then, you know, my cousin's kind of like, but we live in Cincinnati and we go to Kentucky to shop. I'm like, oh, right. That makes sense. But Detroit was a pretty cool city. It was, it was a lot of stuff to do. Sometimes we just kind of hung outside and just talk to the kids in the neighborhood, you know, stuff like that. And we literally spent every night for some reason, I don't know why, but we watched class act like every night. And we went to sleep at like five in the morning and woke up at noon, which pissed my uncle off. He's like, dude, y'all not working? I got no job. Y'all better get some sleep. We like, yeah, we might. So <laughs> in the hood that we happen to be in, big Michigan fans, they all hyped up the U the um that Michigan made it to the um to the championship game. Uh, they beat some good teams to get there, and they they super hyped up. And we like, eh, cause real talk, y'all. This was like the and and I'll freely admit this to anybody. This was the only time in my life that I ever saw Michigan and was like, hmm, I hope they do well, cause this the, this was the Fab Five, y'all. Like this was Jalen Rose, this was Chris Weber. Jimmy King, Ray Jackson, Jawan Howard. This was like five freshmen that played together and was balling. They came out with the baggy shorts with the black socks. And this was the time where everybody was wearing like the, the too hot to try shorts. It was all up the crack. They said they said later for all that they, they really revolutionized the way we dressed and played basketball and everything. And it was cool to see. So if you was blacking in the hood back then, you was a Michigan fan because of the Fab Five. I, I would never lie to myself. Like, I can't stand Michigan. Like, I'm an Ohio State grad. Wife's a grad. Stepdaughter's a grad. Um, Pretty soon, pre- pretty sure we're going to push our, not really push them, but we're not going to be mad if they decide to go to O State, you feel me? So, it run deep in our house. But for those two years... When the Fab Five was on top, I was riding with them. That was like my two-year, I'm cool with Michigan, period. So we actually pulled in for Michigan to beat North Carolina in this final game. And it was a good game, y'all. Like It was one of those um, games where the more you watched, the more you looked around and noticed that more people were sitting there watching with you. It was one of those. So we watching the game, and it's tight. I think... Um, I think they were down two, Michigan was. Chris Weber gets the ball because uh, North Carolina just missed a free throw. Michigan gets the ball. And my uncle literally yells out, because he's in there watching it too. He literally yells out, yo, man, they about to win. And we like, hey, they about to pull this off. Chris Weber gets the ball, literally travels. He he traveled. Like if you out there listening, and and I don't think anybody would dispute this. He traveled, but they didn't call it. So he still has the ball. He's still running down the court. He gets to the corner of the um, other side of the court and gets trapped and calls a timeout. But they don't have any timeouts. You could feel the air just get sucked out of the room. Now I wanted them to win, but I wasn't too hard up on it. But we're in a room with, like, Detroit natives. We're in a room where, you know, they're living and and dying with every shot. 
And you could just feel the air get sucked out of the room as soon as he called the timeout. Because my cousin is like, yeah, yeah, timeout, they're about to set up, they're about to set up and win. And I'm like, they ain't got no timeouts. And my uncle's like, speechless. And from the other room, my other cousin, you could just hear something go like, doom, doom. I'm like, this man broke something in his room. And Michigan loses because when you call a timeout and you don't have any timeouts, the other team gets to shoot two technical shots, two technical free throws, and they get the ball, which means Michigan had to foul them again, which means North Carolina got to shoot two more free throws. And this happened to be the year that Donald Williams for uh, North Carolina just literally took over. Like he, he was running stuff for those two games. He he made every shot that he took. It, it felt like it. And I think Cheryl Soups on the ladies' side did the same thing the same year, I do believe. It, it was just wild just watching them dominate like that. So the rest of the Detroit trip was, it, it felt like people were in mourning, man. Like, I'm looking like, dang, that's wild. That's tough. Because you hate to lose a game like that. Like, I, I really felt for Chris for Chris Webber. Because you don't want a game decided like that. I'm sure the North Carolina fans were happy that they took the W. But I'm sure in the back of their head, they're kind of like, man, I kind of wish he would have got that shot up so he could have missed it so they could have won. That's how they probably feel. You don't want to win a game like that. You don't want to lose a game like that. But from those three events, like... It's one of those it's one of those events where I literally get a grace period in the house to watch Selection Sunday and nobody really bothers me and, and kinda like torments me to turn the channel or nothing like that when I'm watching March Madness. And usually the wife will kinda watch because so much crazy stuff has happened. Every year you see something that makes you go like Wow. Like, my wife hates Jalen Suggs now. She she hates Jalen Suggs. You say his name in here, she just she just kind of frowned up in the face because she was pulling for UCLA to win um, a few years ago, and Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga just comes through and hits a, a half-court buzzer beater in the Final Four for Gonzaga to beat UCLA. So ever since then, like... She hated Gonzaga before. I've told y'all before about her um, kind of weird hatred for Gonzaga for, like, no reason. Now she has a reason, and she kind of happy when she watching because, like, she has a reason to hate him. When before, she just couldn't pronounce their name. So that's why she hated him. I'm like, you weird. But I'll be um, in some brackets this year, definitely losing. Trying to finish in seventh place. That's my goal. Like I'm shooting for seventh place. I actually won the year before last um, at my school. I was shocked. Everybody's like, dang, LP, you a genius at this. Nah, man. Like, one, y'all kind of bad. And two, I got super duper lucky. Just saying. If I had to pick a team this year to win, and that's almost impossible to do this year, um, this might surprise a lot of people, but I I will go Marquette. I feel like Marquette has the right layout for this bracket. I think they're going to play teams that they match up with better than anybody else. 
if I had a backup, I I really can't pick Purdue because I feel like they're gonna flame out early. So I say Marquette. It's gonna be really tough for Kansas because nobody really repeats. So I would say Marquette. If you held my flank my my feet to the fire for another pick, I would say Houston. I think Houston just has the type of team that can win March Madness. Because they shoot well, they play great defense, and they're really good at offensive rebounding. So I would say Marquette and I would say Houston. Those would be my top two teams to win it. But definitely don't listen to me. Don't use me to fill out your brackets because it's not going to work out for you. Like you're not going to win if you listen to my picks. I'll post up my bracket that I'm using so you can go ahead and laugh at me when I when all my teams lose in the first two rounds. But it should be fun. I'm hyped up as always for March Madness. Um, This Lamar Jackson thing. It's, I won't say it's weird, but it happens to people in America more than you might think. If you don't know what's going on with Lamar Jackson, I can kind of sum it up real fast for you. Lamar Jackson is a former unanimous MVP, which means everybody who voted picked him to win MVP one year, which never happened. I think it's happened one other time. And maybe not. He might be the only one that's ever done. I got to double check. You can see how um, much he means to his team because simply put, when he's in the lineup, his team wins. When he's not, they lose. I mean, I think they won like 70, 75% of their games when he starts. And they're, they win like 33% of their games when he doesn't start. That basically tells you everything you know about Lamar Jackson. And what's being held against him is the fact that he runs the ball a lot as a quarterback is one of the things that makes him like a dynamic quarterback. But it also gets you hurt easier than another quarterback who can kind of just stand back in the pocket and throw the ball. So that's being used against him because he's trying to get as much money guaranteed as he possibly can. I mean, Deshaun Watson kind of jacked up the market when Cleveland decided to pay him all of his money guaranteed, $250 million, $230 million guaranteed, which means he's getting that money no matter what. The NFL likes to play people. You know, their their owners would be like, you're making this much money on your contract, but they'll cut you when you get towards the end of the contract so you can't make all of that money. The guaranteed contract protects you from that. You get all the money no matter what. Lamar Jackson has better stats than Deshaun Deshaun Watson. He's been a better player overall. He's led his team to more victories. If you want to ding Lamar Jackson based on playoff uh, wins, I guess you could do that. But you got to get to the playoffs first. And Lamar Jackson can pretty much get you there. Cleveland signed Deshaun Watson to a ridiculous deal, a deal that almost never happens. And Baltimore's thinking the same thing. And I can see their line of thinking. Like, I I can see it, and it makes perfect sense. We don't think Deshaun Deshaun Watson is worth that much. You're better than him, but we think that his contract was an anomaly. We don't think that's going to happen all of the time. So... 
We're going to pay you a lot, but we're not going to pay you that. And Lamar Jackson, honestly, this is how he should think. He's like, I should get that contract because I'm worth more. And it seems simple, but it's not because now the Ravens are playing chicken with this whole thing. And like, you know what? Go out there and see if somebody else will give you that amount of money. And if they do, maybe we'll follow it up and maybe we won't. Business-wise, it makes sense. But when you're... It's football, man. Like, And in football, the most important position is the quarterback. You have a 26-year-old QB who has proven that they can dominate the game, but you don't want to pay him. This happens in America way more than you think, especially being a teacher... I sympathize with this 100% because the longer you teach, the harder it is to find a position where you need another one because you've reached a point where you're not that fresh-faced second, third, fourth year, first year teacher that'll just take pennies to teach. And one of the uh, misconceptions about teaching is, you know, you're going to be broke, you're going to be poor, you're working for nothing. And When you look at what you do for what you get paid, you're getting underpaid. But if you took the salary and looked at it just as a salary, the more you teach, the better that gets. You feel me? Because when you work in the public school sector, you're going to get raises to the salary no matter what. As long as you teach effectively. If you don't teach effectively, that's another misconception. People just think, hey, you know, you get this money no matter what. You can be a poor teacher. It does not work that way. If you're a poor teacher, you're not going to be able to rise up on the salary table because you're going to get sent out. There are very few instances where a teacher can teach poorly and keep that same position. They're going to get sent out of there. The state of teaching is that you need the most effective people teaching. So you have the the school systems or whatever, and they're like, we want the best teacher for as cheap as we can get them. (laughs) So you take somebody that's been teaching for 15, 16, 17 years. They have the skill set to be an awesome teacher. They also have salary requirements that make it to where if you can find somebody to do it, better for cheaper you're gonna go that route but here's the catch you're not gonna find a teacher teaching in their first second or third year that does it better than a teacher teaching in their 15 16 17th year it's not gonna happen this is basically what's happened to lamar jackson the ravens know what they have in lamar jackson but they just don't want to pay him they don't want to pay him that amount they feel like they got aced out of what they should be paying them by the ridiculous deal that Cleveland signed. And they feel like they shouldn't be punished. But here's the thing, though. You can't use what happened in Cleveland in this case. You have a quarterback that's better than that guy. And Cleveland jacked that whole thing up. That has nothing to do with you. Not a, not at all. And Lamar Jackson is like, why should I be punished because Cleveland did something stupid? I feel that 
I mean, imagine if you worked at your job and you're due for a raise, but somebody else in your field that works in California got paid like 15 times more than they should have. And that's messing up your money. You're like, that has nothing to do with me. Like, they did what they did. I'm better than that person. I feel like I should get something at least in line with that. Like, you look at my stats, you look at what I do. I'm worth it. And the only catch for Lamar Jackson is this. If all of the owners feel like that, it's going to be tough for him to get signed anywhere. And that's that's what I don't like about the NFL, man. It's so shady. Like, it's not like they're participating in collusion, the owners are. It's not like they're doing, like, you know, collusionary things. But it's more like they think alike. And it's not one of those things that they have to say or express or write down or text or be, like, in a big group text. A lot of the owners think the same way. They're like, Cleveland was dumb. I would never pay that amount of money. It It's kind of their temperament. I hope Lamar Jackson gets the deal. Um, the selfish part of me would like him to go somewhere, I don't know, in the NFC so we don't have to see him two times a year anymore. But rationally speaking, like just being like a just being like a real dude, I hope he gets paid because frankly, he deserves to get paid. What he's done in the league so far will show you that he deserves to get his money. You can't really tell people how to spend their money. I always frown on doing that. I can't be like, hey, owner, you should you should pay him. That's your money. You get to do what you want to do with it. You earned it. But it's just crazy to me that somebody with Lamar Jackson's skill set could just be sitting out there waiting for money that he deserves because of something that happened somewhere else. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I hope he gets his money. If you got to get it somewhere else, then that's what you have to do. And that's the part that people have to understand worldwide. If you're listening to this, money isn't everything. Like, it's not the only thing, but it definitely helps. You feel me? So if you got to, like, go somewhere else to get the money and look like you're, like, not that loyal guy or girl and look like you're only in it for the money sometimes you got to do that because that money is not just money it's the employer showing how they feel about your skill set how much they value it you see what i'm saying just like your time given to that place shows how much you value that place so don't be out here taking less than what you what you're worth just because you want to help the team or you want to make sure that blah, blah, blah. Forget that. That's the cost of them doing business with you. You feel me? So you should look at it like that. That's how Lamar Jackson is looking at it. He's like, I'm worth a certain amount of money. If I don't get that certain amount of money, then I'm going to the next. That's how you should be in business because really it's business. You're sacrificing your time, your energy to a company or a school or something like that. 
you're sacrificing your time, your energy, things you could be doing, you know, chasing your pursuits. So they need to pay you properly. And if not, find a place that deserves you. Oh, I did the deep side because um, I really, I'm cool with remakes. As far as like movies, I'm on the movie part now. <laughs> My bad, y'all. Um, so I sat down and watched House Party. Yep. I said I wasn't going to do it. And then like sometime last week, I was like, you know what? I want to see it. I'm not that dude that goes like, man, it ain't going to never be like it was like when I saw it. Man, they need to leave the 90s stuff alone. I'm not that guy because a lot of the stuff that I watched and listened to in the 90s had strong 70s influences. And I had my uncles on my case, like me and my brother and all my cousins. We had our uncles on our cases, man. They were like, man, all this stuff. Man, it's just all stuff we listened to back in the day, man. It's all this all seventy stuff. This this George Clinton, man, this Parliament Funkadelic, man, they just stealing stuff. And we used to kind of be like, man, get that old stuff out of here. Real talk, just a little side thing. My uncle um sat down, sat us down and made us listen to like, you know, um Parliament Funkadelic. Just made us listen to it. Cause he, he got tired of listening to us like Listening to Dr. Dre and all that. And we like, hey, this live, let me ride. Like, and he's like, seriously, what will he not steal from us? And I'm like, what are you talking about? So he sat us down and we listened to the album. And we like, dang. One, this is live. And two, Dre used all of this. And ever since then, we've been kind of like, okay, okay, samples are cool. But our 90s stuff had strong 70s influences. You look at the videos, the videos have us, you know, in, um, in the afros and the bell bottoms and all that. Man, I remember our senior dinner dance, my senior year. We did decades and we all dressed up in 70s gear, like all of us. Like I found the DJ and the DJ played 70s stuff. It was cool. But when it comes to remakes, I'm cool with remakes for real. Because it just shows that you're paying homage to the stuff that came before you. And that's always cool, right? For me, it's like, just do it justice. That's all I ask when you do a remake, man. Just do it justice. If you want it to be, um, if you want your remake to be like strongly influenced off the old one, just do it justice. If you want to go a completely different way with it, you know, just use the characters and then just tell a completely different story with the same characters. Just do it justice. That's why I was down on Bel Air at first, right? Because I thought they were just taking the same characters and doing the same thing but making it serious. That's not good. But I noticed pretty quickly that they're taking the characters and putting their own twist on it. They're taking events that might have happened on a sitcom, right? And they're just making it their own. That's dope to me. House Party ain't that. Like, like it's really not. I, I don't really know what it's trying to be, but whatever it is, it just wasn't that. The acting was super subpar. And the stuff that they tried to do that was based on the movie, it just felt forced. It was like they had to put this in here 
just because it was in the first one or just because it was in the second one. It it, it just wasn't it just wasn't very well thought out. Like when LeBron James is the funniest part of the movie, it's probably not a good movie because that's not what LeBron James does. He's not the funny man, but he was funny in this. And it seems like he was funny because everybody else just felt like uh, it. If they had done this movie and left out the old references and all that stuff, it might have been a little bit better. But it it just felt really, really forced. It is one of those movies where you could tell it's a remake, and then you watch it and go like, "Why they do it?" I literally laughed at three scenes in this movie. Three. Three. (laughs) I laughed three times total. And the rest of the time, I either cringed or just kind of stared at the screen. And and, and here's the thing about it. Here's why this movie doesn't work. All right. The original House Party... It just felt fun. And it's one of those things where that old rule works and it always works. Keep it simple. If you can keep it simple, you can expand off of it and you can make it feel real. House Party was simple. Listen, listen to the synopsis of House Party. Now, I'm just I've seen it so many times in my life. I could do this. I (laughs) here. Here's the brief synopsis of uh, of House Party. Two friends decide to have a party because one of their friend's parents went down south for the weekend. That's simple, right? That's super. All of the stuff that you can do based off of that is awesome. But that's the synopsis. One friend got in trouble in school, so he couldn't go. He sneaks out. Mayhem ensues. <laughs> That's basically what happened at House Party. All of the other stuff just kind of branched off of that. And then you have all of these memorable moments where you had a dance scene between the girls and the guys, where you have um, the DJ played by Martin Lawrence. It was just amazing and hilarious. Where you have Robin Harris played a dad who just basically took over the scenes that he was in. You had all of these other moments that came off of something super simple. Two guys trying to have a party. That's it. This movie did way too much to get to that point where you had two guys that are cleaning up and they found out it's in LeBron James' house. One guy needs money to make sure his daughter gets... And I'm like, his daughter's like five, like... She need she need all that money right now for school. She's like five, and then the other guy really didn't have much of a purpose, so they tried to force it. And then they had all these cameos. There were so many cameos, like, and honestly, those cameos end up backfiring and be backfiring on you because you end up having something that's great for the moment. But five years later, you might look at that and go like, dang, who was that again? I don't remember who that was. Cause they're all not going to blow up. Everybody in the movies, not every cameo is not going to have that staying power. And 
All in all, it's one of those movies that tried to do way too much with a remake. They tried to add too much, and when you add too much, you really don't have anything. You just got to keep it simple. Um, on my on my five headphone scale, going from zero to five, I would give this half a headphone. Real life, I would give this half a headphone because there were a couple of people that made their scenes funny. They didn't make it funny funny enough to make the whole movie good, but their scenes were funny enough to where you go like, huh, <laughs> that's pretty good. They get half the headphone for that. But overall, man, I would definitely suggest y'all stay away from this movie. Um, and that pains me to say because like, I, I like to support movies like this. I mean, it's hard enough to make a podcast, man. To make a movie is like ridiculously hard. So... I shout out anybody who ever sat down and wrote a script. Anybody that was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and make a movie. Like, I can never knock that. But if it's not good, it's not good. You feel me? Um, a little side note here. LeBron James the GOAT, man. Uh, name another all-world basketball player or... um. Or athlete, period. That could pull off a role like this. Or that could pull off any role. Like, LeBron James was probably the best part of this movie, man. Like, for real. And he was funny. And he was believable. I I, I, I can't see Jordan doing something like this. Like, I can't... I can't see... I, I could see Magic doing something like this. But not even Magic, for real. I don't think he'd be able to pull it off the way, the way LeBron did. Like... LeBron the truth, man, for real. I got to give him props for this. I think he executive produced it, too. But overall, it just wasn't a good movie. Not for real. Um, I would suggest y'all, like, hit YouTube and watch some old Def Comedy Jam episodes. (laughs) Like, real life. Um, I don't think people... There's some documentaries out about it now, but I don't think people grasp how important the Deaf Comedy Jam movement was to black comedy in America. Like I, I don't think they grasped it because Deaf Comedy Jam, it allowed black comedians to do what they do. Because for a while, it seemed like, you know, we had to temper how, how our comedy looked and how it felt. And you had like standouts like Richard Pryor, um, Folks like that, like Eddie Murphy, you had standouts that kind of did their thing and said to hell with everything. But for the most part, you know, black comedy really struggled because black comedians couldn't be true to who they were. And then Def Comedy Jam gave them a voice to just go like, you know what? You got a five minute set. Show out, man. Be unfiltered. Do your thing. And looking back at the grace that did it. Bernie Mac, D.L. Hughley, Robin Gibbons. Man, I could go on forever talking about the people that blessed that stage. So I would hit YouTube up, um, see if Amazon Prime is streaming it or something, and see if HBO still got some on, and just watch old episodes of that. I, I would definitely do that if I were y'all. Like, and skip House Party. This got me scared for White Man Can't Jump because that's like my favorite sports movie. Like, as far as sports movies go, White Man Can't Jump is number one to me. Like, it's numero uno. And I'm afraid they're about to jack it up. 
Like, for real. So, I'll catch it on Hulu. I think it's coming out soon. I'll catch it on Hulu and let y'all know what y'all should do with that. Hopefully, it's good. I got my fingers crossed, man. Like, for real. I'm like, I need this to be good. This is my movie. (laughs) But that's all for next week. We'll, We'll check that out next week. And that'll be all for this week because we haven't done next week yet. So, it can't be out next week if it's not next week. So, we're done for this week. (laughs) Y'all stay safe. Stay warm until it get warm. And as always, y'all, life is good. Peace out. If you're not ready for the conversation to end, I'm not either. Make sure to catch me on Twitter. That's a Cincy fan talking. Leave off the G at the end of it, and we can keep the conversation going. Also, don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button so you can catch the next episodes. The episodes will drop every Tuesday. If there's a change in that, I'll make sure to let you know. Appreciate the support. As always, life is good. Music.